Should I use transatlantic? There's some kind of squid somewhere. Not to no good. There's always a squid somewhere. One year ago, four heroes, Hyros, Dwarak, Suri, and Saren, defeated the vampire Strahd von Zarovich, lifting his curse on the realm of Barovia and returning it to the material plane. Now, returning to Barovia to celebrate the anniversary of Strahd's defeat, the four heroes reunite along with some new friends, the bard Alcyone, Hyros' eldest daughter, and Kashek, Dwarak's mysterious owl-folk associate from the Nehekara Desert. During the festivities, Saren sneaks off and returns with another new friend, an owlbear cub discovered at the grave of the party's fallen companion, Dimitri. As the celebration begins, a strange noble arrives, Talibek Angiers, Chancellor of the Senate of the Republic of Arcadia, the realm east of Barovia. He hails the heroes and invites them to a grand feast at the Ducal Palace of Arcadia to recognize them for their deeds. It's decided that Alcyone will go in Hyros' stead, and Kashek in Dwarak's. On the road to the capital city, Angiers lets it slip that the Republic is in disarray. The group was summoned not only to be lauded as heroes, but to lend their help to an issue of enormous import. The late Duke and Duchess had three identical children, but only one may assume the throne. The Senate of Arcadia will vote on the matter, but debate has been deadlocked up until this point, so the three successors must call upon the influence of heroes, who, as a matter of course, are greatly respected in the Republic, to tip consensus one way or the other. Immediately upon arriving in the capital, the heroes are sent on a trial by fire. The keeplands surrounding the city have been under attack by a strange creature from below the ground. The creature is revealed to be a purple worm, a deadly denizen of the Underdark, although the heroes manage to subdue the beast, proving their mettle to the successors. On the return to the city, the heroes meet a charming, nude, and allegedly business-savvy tiefling by the name of Axel. The party decides to fund his efforts to jumpstart his business. Back in the city proper, the hero's rewards for their success in the Keeplands are crash courses in Arcadian high society life. Saren, Suri, and Alcyone join Marianne Scarfall for an uncomfortable brunch, while Kashek manages to put a hunting party led by Marianne's husband Galen in their place. A festival precedes the evening feast. The heroes take a day to probe the prospective duke and duchesses a little more. Each successor has a task for the heroes that will garner attention in that successor's favor, influencing the outcome of the election. Alasia wants the plains, where the majority of the Republic's food is grown, rid of a seemingly magical blight. She suggests traveling to the town of Traben, the epicenter of the blight, to investigate. Bernard wants to learn more about the Tower of Stars. The phallic symbol in the middle of the bay, allegedly built by the elves who inhabited Arcadia before Miranda de Arcadia conquered the realm. He suggests finding a scholar in the city of Malor, whose life's research is on the mythical Temple of Cernanos, a lost, ancient site of elven worship, linking it to hold many clues to the tower's mysteries. Casca wants to aid the dwarven city of Caradrin, which has been under siege by invaders from below the ground. The Republic has had little need for military might in the generations since Barovia disappeared, cutting off Arcadia from their rivals to the west, but Casca wants to prove that that former strength is not lost. Night falls and the heroes arrive at the Founders' Day Feast. As a newly commissioned statue of Miranda de Arcadia is unveiled, the marble suddenly explodes, and the images of three armored figures appear in the debris, calling themselves heralds. They bear a simple, terrible message from their master, Vonneken. The Republic may submit to his otherworldly rule or face extinction. Delivering their warning amid the chaos, the three heralds vanish. 
In the aftermath of the attack, Alcyone reveals that this is not the first time she's heard this name, Vonneken. Her old performance troupe, the Canny Shepherds, was slowly twisted into a faction that seemingly served this entity. Her discovery of the troupe's true purpose led to Alcyone's sudden departure from them. Since the Republic is technically without a leader until the election, and with the Herald's threat still fresh and looming, the heroes decide to tackle the successor's tasks by first journeying to Traben to battle the Blight. Journeying further into the Republic's breadbasket, the heroes note that the Blight seems to be caused by a strange overgrowth of mushrooms and fungus. This suspicion is confirmed when the heroes rescue two children from a stampede of grotesque half-living cattle that have been infested with fungal spores. The children are denizens of Traven, so the heroes escort them home. Via a local tavern keeper, the heroes learn that though Traven technically has an elected mayor, the town's priest of the luminary, Father Cochran, has all but seized total control. He seems unconcerned about the blight, implying that some fasting is good for one's spirit, and insinuating that the capital, a den of sin, has no business involving themselves in the affairs of such salt-of-the-earth, god-fearing folk. Father Cochran asserts that the group must leave by the morning, so that evening the heroes visit Mayor Paisley to gather more information about the blight. The mayor states that all is well and Father Cochran has everything in hand, though he is clearly lying under duress. In the dead of night, a sparrow delivers a message to the heroes, which leads to a clandestine meeting away from the town. Mayor Paisley reveals that Father Cochran's eyes and ears are everywhere, severely limiting the already meek mayor's ability to wrest control back from the priest. The mayor believes the blight is the result of an event led by Father Cochran some weeks ago, in which a strange girl was burned at the stake in the town square. The girl held otherworldly power capable of encouraging the crops to grow plentifully and in abundance, which the father took to be unnatural and therefore sinful. The stranger came from the Gloomweald, the eerie forest on the edge of the plains, so the heroes leave at dawn to investigate. In the Gloomweald, the heroes discover an odd little girl, Ferocity, who claims her sister Felicity was the one who visited Traben some weeks ago, though she hasn't been seen since. After coaxing the party into solving the problems of a peculiar fairy tale land for her own entertainment, Ferocity points them to where she believes her sister to be. At Ferocity's discretion, the party comes upon a hollow forest tomb, which is full of alchemical workings that appear to be the source of the blight. Felicity's sudden return interrupts the party's investigation. She warns the party that they should leave as soon as possible, but then realizes it's too late, saying he can see them and is coming. Felicity is briefly possessed by him at attacks. The party is reluctant to hurt Felicity, but they defend themselves until the entity possessing her, revealed to be Vonneken, summons one of the heralds that appeared at the Founder's Day Feast. Just when the herald has torn open a mysterious portal and is about to escape with their life, Alcyone magically slows their getaway, and the party slay their foe. Upon unmasking the herald, she is discovered to be a drow. The party leaves the body of the tomb while they rest that night, but both Saren and Alcyone sneak back separately. Alcyone casts Speak with Dead to learn all that she can about their enemies. Saren, for the first time in her life, looks on the face of another drow, feeling remorseful that she needed to slay one of her own kinsfolk, regardless of their past actions. When morning comes, Felicity agrees to end the blight, and the party escort her back to her sister, Ferocity. The sisters tell the party they've got friends in the Feywild, should they ever need help. 
Upon returning to Traven, the party discovers Father Cochran waiting for them, with news that Mayor Paisley has gone missing in the time since the heroes left the day before. They offer to locate the missing mayor, suspecting that Father Cochran is behind the disappearance. Surrey and Saren conduct a midnight search of the Church of the Luminary. In the church cellar, the two discover Mayor Paisley being held by a monstrous guard, hulking and seemingly human, but with crude stitches where his eyes, ears, and mouth should be. This figure chases Saren and Suri out of the church, though Alcyone and Kishek are nearby and are able to calm him after a short skirmish. Father Cochran appears and, once again, leading the heroes to a furtive conversation on the outskirts of town, admits he enjoys wielding power. He refuses to give it up, claiming that the small-minded folk of his flock will never trust the big city government of the capital making decisions for them. The blight is solved, meaning the heroes' interference here can come to an end, so long as they leave peacefully. Bloody, the heroes decide to leave, keeping Father Cochran in power against their better judgment. Leaving town the next morning, Father Cochran sees the party off with a lineup of his personal guard, and as the heroes turn to leave, Mayor Paisley appears, morphing into a bear and attacking the father. A protracted fight with Father Cochran and his cronies leaves three of the heroes badly wounded. Surrey does not survive the confrontation. In desperation, the heroes intend to take Surrey's body to Felicity and her sister in the Gloomwield to take them up on their favor. As they travel, Saren silently mourns the loss of Surrey and is only briefly comforted upon crossing plains when the Albert Cub transforms into Dimitri. Felicity and Ferocity caution the heroes that things are what they are within the Feywild, giving the two some hope that they might be reunited in the Material Plane someday. Though hesitant, the sisters agree to guide the party through the Feywild in order to complete a ritual to return Surrey to life, though they warn that such a gift will come with a steep price. After a few brushings with other denizens of the Feywild, the sisters finally proclaim to have arrived in the spot where Surrey's soul may be recovered. When Surrey's body is laid on the ground, wildflowers begin to grow over her, and as the party's reviving ritual comes to a close, the flowers bloom, and Surrey comes back to life. Everything seemingly solved, the party tuck tail between their legs and head onward, while Surrey receives a strange vision from a mysterious entity, expressing his congratulations on her return to life, and his eagerness for her to repay the debt she now owes. That have been infested with spungle... <laughs> the heroes take a day to probe the prospective douche. <laughs> you gotta douche. probe the douche. You gotta, that's just the first thing you I do when you get to a new city. I think that's just, at least that's what I. That's do. a greeting. That's what they do in this part of the world. Uh, uh, my douche. Uh, oh, nice douche in your breath. You know how dogs sniff buttholes. Yeah. 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 When people meet, we probe the douche. You douche. It's just what you douche.